Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everyone. Welcome back to night two now of Quran 30 for 30. I pray that you're having a blessed Ramadan bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, that you are experiencing the joy of getting back into your reading, your taraweeh, your fasting. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it from you all. Allahumma ameen. Just a reminder before we get started tonight, inshallah ta'ala, number one, to please consider Yaqeen Institute amongst your donations this Ramadan. Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. This is the season and we depend on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first and then your generosity to continue to grow our resources, which will always be free and accessible to the public ta'ala. And I hope you're seeing not just the increase in production quality uh, through the Ramadan series and benefiting. I hope you're watching that at Sahur and watching 30 for 30 at night, but also the, uh, you know, just all of the resources that have been published over the years, alhamdulillah. So if you go to just our main website right now, yaqeeninstitute.org, You'll see the ebooks from the last two seasons of 30 for 30. The first one being a summary of each juz of the Quran, basic summary of each juz. The second ebook, which was just released, being the sirah components of each juz. And then, inshallah ta'ala, also the du'a's workbook for Dr. Tahar Wyatt, uh, Sheikh Abdullah Aduro's convert resources, Dr. Tasneem's habits, curriculum, new papers, new podcasts, new infographics, a lot, alhamdulillah, over the years, and all of that is because of how you have invested in Yaqeen's work. So Jazakumullah khairan to all of you for that. And Alhamdulillah Rabbil Ameen, we are back now. And Shaykh Abdullah, how are you? Alhamdulillah, I'm good. Glad to be here, mashallah. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Ameen. As I was saying before we started, Dr. Uthman is here. Dr. Uthman is the guy that could beat Shaykh Abdullah in basketball without a doubt. Uh, I have no doubt at all. He's like, um, I don't want to use like a 90s reference because then it's going to, I'm going to look old. So I got it. I, I was going to say like Allen Iverson, but people probably don't even know who Allen Iverson is anymore. But Dr. Uthman's our point guard. How's it going, Sheikh? Assalamu alaikum wa Alhamdulillah, it's going well. But, but Sheikh Omar, man, don't, don't, don't cause fitna, man. I'm not causing fitna. Maybe, maybe it's fasting brain. You're fasting. I think you're getting a little bit like, you know, your brain cells, like your perception of reality is off, off man. <laughs> Sheikh Abdullah is going to slam dunk on me, man. <laughs> if Sheikh Abd- Here's the good thing. If Sheikh Abdullah could dunk, which I doubt he could, could you dunk, Sheikh? Are you Are you sure, man? Okay. All right. If he could. Look, I'm just saying, if he could, he would break the glass first time, and then we would just say, you know, we just call it disqualification, and that's a game. We mm-hmm. win, so. It's a win-win situation. Uh, all right. So that's how they play in the NO. That's how they that's play in the NO, man. Valley Ranch rules. That's our rules over here. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> It's good to have you, alhamdulillah, Sheikh Abdullah, as always. Bismillah. Uh, we'll go ahead and get started, inshallah ta'ala. So, of course, this year we are focused on the akhirah, the hereafter, and that is where uh, I am focused on. And so, you know, last night we talked about the, the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala introduces belief in the unseen, belief in the hereafter, belief in the reward or the punishment. And he talked about those who sold their guidance and purchased misguidance, those who sold their hereafter and uh, purchased this dunya, purchased this material world, and those who sold the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, اشترو المغفرة, العذاب بالمغفرة, they sold their forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they purchased his punishment instead, his anger and punishment instead. So continuing along those notes, I wanted to actually elaborate in that context on when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes us to one of the most famous verses in the Quran, وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ يَقُولُ رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةً وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنَةً 
When you get to verses 200 to 202 in Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah mentions that there are people who say, you know, they ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for things of this world and they don't want anything from the hereafter. They have no concern for anything of the hereafter. But Allah says there are those who say, رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنًا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنًا وَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ O our Lord, grant us the best of this life the best of the hereafter, and protect us from the torment of the fire. SubhanAllah, if you think about the power of this for a moment, right, and in context of what we spoke about, Allah mentioned those uh, those that, again, sold guidance, and instead they purchased misguidance. The implications of that was that they had to make a trade-off then. Everything that was given to them that could have bettered their situation in the hereafter they sold it in trying to better themselves in this life, but they instead, they actually lost on this life and they lost on the hereafter. So they thought that by selling off the currency of, or, or the, the reward of the hereafter with the currency of the hereafter and purchasing the life of this world, they thought they would be happy. They thought they would find expanse. Instead, they found constriction Instead, they found the worst of this life and they found they will find the worst of the hereafter, right? So those people who did so will not get the hasana, will not get the good of this life, nor will they get the good of the hereafter. And protect us from the torment of the fire. Those were the people who, of course, purchased the punishment, the adab of Allah with his maghfirah, with his forgiveness. Now, this verse is one of the most famous verses, uh, one of the most famous du'as that we have, and for good reason. Now, what, what a lot of people, I think, don't um, uh, f- really appreciate is that it came down around Hajj. It came down around Hajj. And remember, in Jahiliyyah, in the days of ignorance, they continued the Hajj, but they continued the Hajj with you know, severe deviations, things that were not in the spirit of Hajj, not of the way of Ibrahim, Islam, and certainly not in accordance with Tawheed. And of course, you know, part of the, the purification was clearing out the idols and directing people to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. But one key distinction between the worship of idols and the worship of Allah actually is also in what the ask is, not just who you're asking. Obviously, you can't ask Allah through idols or whatever it is, right? You ask Allah directly. And that is clear with Tawheed. But here, also, what are you asking for? You see, what do you think the people who were prostrating themselves to these idols were asking for? They were only asking for worldly things. And we know that for a fact because they didn't even believe in a hereafter, right? That's one of the, the, the ways that these people had lost their way in Jahiliyyah is that they completely negated the existence of a hereafter, right? The people of the book, of course, did believe in some notion of the hereafter, most religions actually do. These people had completely denied the existence of an akhirah. They thought that once you die, you die. So what are they going to ask the idols for? They will use the idols for this world and they will ask the idols for this world. But it's going to stop there. They're limited in the ask and because that's what their focus is. And by the way, subhanAllah, that's why this dua is specifically legislated as a sunnah in tawaf. It's a game changer, subhanAllah, out of all of the du'as. You know, when you do tawaf, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala write down for us hajj and umrah. 
Allahumma ameen, an accepted hajj, accepted umrah, Allahumma ameen. The only dua that we have going around the Kaaba is between Ruknul al-Yamani, between the Yemeni corner and the black stone. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adab al-nar. Because it orients you in this pinnacle you know, of tawheed, this act which is the pinnacle, which is just the most beautiful expression of tawheed. It orients you to not just worshiping that one God, but what you should be asking that one God for. So this is really a game changer in perception, in the paradigm of the believer now, who's no longer calling upon the idols and Allah or just the idols, but they're calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not just for things of this world, they're asking Allah for things of the hereafter as well. Now, uh, Imam Hassan al-Basri rahimahullah ta'ala, he says to us, by the way, that Fidunya uh, hasana, realize you're not asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for quantity. You're asking Allah for the best of this life. Sometimes the best of this life is less. Sometimes the best of this life is what is quantifiably not so pleasing, but it has barakah in it, it has blessing. Sometimes the best of this life is actually to be withheld uh, from, from certain things so that you don't compromise your hereafter in the process. And so what do we mean when we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the best of this life, the best of this life and the best of the next and to protect us from the fire? Protecting us from the fire is straightforward. The best of the hereafter is Jannah and, and all that leads up to Jannah. A, a, a paradise-like experience. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us an easy day of judgment and a, a, a smooth and quick entrance into paradise without any form of questioning and any form of accountability. Allahumma ameen. So that's clear what asking Allah for hasana and the akhirah is. As for the dunya, however, the answer is ilman nafi'a wa rizqan tayyiba wa amanan mutaqabbala. You're asking Allah for beneficial knowledge, for pure sustenance, and for accepted deeds. And Imam Hassan al-Basri rahimahullah is saying that's what it means when you say, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana. So what this shows us is that the best thing you could ask Allah for in the dunya is actually what brings blessing to you both in the dunya and in the akhirah. Because ilm nafi'a, good beneficial knowledge, benefits you here and in the hereafter. Rizqan tayyibah, pure sustenance, benefits you here and in the hereafter. And if Allah accepts you, amalan mutaqabbala, then that benefits you here as well as in the hereafter. Finally, I end with uh, this, this one narration, which I, I shared in a khutbah recently, subhanAllah, which is so beautiful about this verse. Uh, it's the opposite of what, how people usually approach the, the life of this world and the life of the next in a skewed way. Uh, usually people are too dunya-oriented, not enough akhirah-oriented. Here, Anas anhu says, Rasulullah visited one of his companions who was suffering from severe illness. And the Prophet said to him, Hal kunta It's as if you were asking Allah for something. Were you asking Allah for something? Were you making dua for something? Because he had such an unusual illness and the man said, I said, I was making dua. Allahumma ma kunta mu'aqibni bihi fil akhirah fa'ajjilhu li fil dunya. Oh Allah, whatever punishment you intended to punish me with in the hereafter, punish me with it now. Let me get it over with now because I don't want to face it on the day of judgment. And the Prophet said, Subhanallah, la tutiquhu. He said, You would not be able to handle it. Subhanallah, don't do that. He said, Instead, why not say, O oh, our Lord, give us the best of this life 
and the best of the next and protect us from the fire. So have husnadhan in Allah, a good expectation of Allah, but let your good expectation of Allah mean that you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the practical part of those deeds. So when you say, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana, Oh Allah, give us the best of this dunya, then only pursue the dunya with halal. And when you say, Oh Allah, give us goodness in the hereafter, then pursue the hereafter with a'mal, with your good deeds. And when you say, Oh Allah, pina adab nar protect us from the fire, then avoid the deeds that are the deeds of the people of the fire. May Allah protect us. Allahumma ameen. And inshallah ta'ala with that, I'll pass it over to Shaykhna Shaykh Abdullah. That's a beautiful dua. And those of those of us that have made Umrah, made Hajj, and made, made this dua, it's very, very important that you contemplate over life. Really, whenever you talk to Allah and call on Allah, whether reciting the Quran, reciting the duas of the Prophet, which is divinely inspired by his creator, our creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, always think about your life what you have done, what you are doing, and what you plan to do. And think of the beautiful names and attributes of Allah. Think of the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. You know, I remember when I was growing up, there was a sticker, and it was always said when we were in churches, what would Jesus do? You know, we really have to look at what Jesus would do and what the Prophet ﷺ and all the prophets would do, particularly when it comes to their belief in Allah and how they would actualize it in their life. What I want to talk about are the verses in the chapter of Al-Baqarah, verses 207 to 209, roughly. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the reality of human beings. Because earlier in the verses, he's talking about different types of people and from them that are aggressive and from them that are argumentative. And they uh, may believe in Allah, but their actions are not indicative of that. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَشْرِي نَفْسَهُ بِتِغَاءَ مَرْضَاتِ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ رَعُوفٌ بِالْعِبَادِ Allah SWT says, but there is also a kind of man who gives his life away to please Allah, and Allah is most compassionate to his service. That he or she <clears throat> gives their life away to please God. And Sheikh Omar mentioned that today and also yesterday when he spoke about uh, that yesterday as well. I want to capitalize on the next verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladhina amunu dukhulu fi silmi kafatan. وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا خُطُوَاتِ الشَّيْطَانِ إِنَّهُ لَكُمْ عَدُوٌ مُبِينَ Verse number 208. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls out to those who believe. Remember when Allah calls out to the believer, he is calling out to the one that believes in Allah and believes him as well. They believe in the oneness of God, that he's not like his creation. He doesn't have a son, a father. He is not like anything that he has created. Subhana, glory be to him. We magnify him when we think about him, when we speak to him. When we talk about him, that he is greater than anything. And all of the names and attributes that we start with, even in Al-Fatiha, those five names that we talked about yesterday, it's important to always contemplate over it. That's why Salah, the minimum of the oblig obligatory Salah is five times throughout 24 hours. You think about these beautiful names and the actualization of that in your life. How Allah implements his mercy, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. How Allah is the Rabb. We think about this consistently. Allah says here, O oh, you who believe in these beautiful names of God, believe in God's qualities, his capabilities. Enter into Islam wholeheartedly. This is so important. Subhanallah. Enter into, enter into Islam wholeheartedly. Those of you that have converted to Islam, you left a, another faith or a non-faith, 
and you decided to make that choice to become a Muslim, not because of what we see in society, it's because your heart was yearning, yearning to come closer to something greater than it that had ultimate control over it and over everything else, i.e. creation. When you found that, it was like what one of my friends said, the smoke is clear. I know my purpose. I know why I'm here because the one that created me and brought me here gave me the framework. And that framework is Islam. And that's why it says into, into asilmi. And some scholars say asilm or asalm, meaning that it is Islam or it is something that you give up to yourself. You submit. And we know the name Islam, Aslam, and Yuslimuns, the ones that submits themselves and surrenders to Allah, meaning, partially meaning, the will of Allah, what Allah intends. But then he also says kafa, and kafa means wholeheartedly or wholesome or all of you. As some scholars mention here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned a kafa meaning all of you, alladhina amanu, or hala idkhala imanikum, or idkhala islam. The situation in which you enter Islam should be wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly, as we say in English, your whole heart. But it's meaning with total devotion. With total devotion. Oh Allah, I'm ready to surrender myself to your will, regardless of anything in the dunya. That's the contract that I have now. When I embrace Islam, whether I was born Muslim and I had an epiphany from a person, place, or a thing, or I'm someone that embraced Islam because I finally understood what Islam was. It finally came to me. I'm doing this wholeheartedly. That's the initial intent that we should try our best to have. I totally submit my desires and my misconceptions that I may have. I submit them to your will, meaning the word of the Quran. And then after that, he says, shaitan." And it's interesting here because when Allah mentions enter wholeheartedly, but also Know that there is an enemy. You're trying this righteous path. There are some friends that may try to call you away. Social media, people, places, or things will try to call you away from that effort that you're making. The month of Ramadan, many of us have fasted from electronics, fasted from certain people. Those 11 months, we look back and we say, wow, subhanAllah, I'm here now. Alhamdulillah. I want Ramadan not to be seasonal in my good deeds, but to be a catalyst to one good deed. To where it carries over the 11 months and then I have another good deed. But initially, I want to do this. I want to give all of myself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why the khutawat, as some scholars say, the khutawat are steps. It's steps that's leading you somewhere. Where is it taking you? We know where shaitan wants to take you. So do not follow those footsteps of shaitan. Why? Because he is a clear enemy. That verily he is for all of you. A clear enemy. Following those footsteps of shaitan is a clear enemy. Knowing that shaitan only wants, only wants misguidance for you. That's all he wants. So it's important for us to understand, as he mentioned, in the, in the dua, Rabbana, what is the hasana? It's important for the Muslim to understand what Allah views as hasana. And what Allah views as sayyidah, what he views as good and beneficial. And what he views as non-beneficial, it's important for the Muslim to have the Islamic worldview, to weigh everything against Islam and not to weigh Islam against something that we may hold wholeheartedly that is foreign to Islam or outside of Islam. So it requires a level of learning who Allah is and who he is not to where you can condition your desires. 
by consistent mujahida, fighting the self, the nafs, and the shayateen from the Satan that may try to come and influence you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after that recognizes a reality that we all have. And this is what I love about Islam for all of us that are trying our best. It's important for us to put, look in the mirror and ask, am I doing my best? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says after that, Allah says, and if you slip, after the clear evidences have come to you, know that Allah is the Almighty, the All Wise. So it's beautiful here. For in zalaltum, zal means to slip. Zalatul lisan, as they say, slip of the tongue. But this slip is literally a mistake. How do we know that? After the clear evidences have come to you, the clear proof has come to you that Allah says this is permissible, or says you know you should try your best to stay away from it. After this has come to you, and then that desire that you have, you obey it. It's a human reality. Hence, Allah mentions this right after the umr, the order or the advice. When you, and if you were to slip, after the clear evidence has come to you, there's a level of accountability. As we see with the Day of Judgment series that Mashallah Sheikh Omar has brought this year, there's a level of accountability. When we say Maliki Yomidin, the, 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 the owner of the Day of Judgment, that should remind you about accountability. If you are a father or an authoritative element or a guardian, you have to bring a level of accountability to those you have authority over or those are, that are in your care. And at the end, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if you slip back after the clear proof has come to you, know that Allah is the almighty, the all-wise. Azizun hakim, azizun fi shari'ati. That he is the almighty, that he has legislated these clear proofs to you. And he is a hakim, he's the all-wise that he chose to punish you or reward you in that regard. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those that this beautiful, beautiful life that we have, that we've made it to this day, healthy, conscious, able, spiritual, having that device that Allah has given us, being our heart to do our best and to stay away from it as much as we can. As the Prophet Sallallahu said, and I will conclude, whatever I have prohibited from you, stay away from. And whatever I have ordered you to do, ordered you to do, do as much of as as much of it as you can. Brothers and sisters, the month of Ramadan is coming. We, month of Ramadan is here. Try your best because you don't know when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take you or take someone other than you that can really tamper with our stability of our soul. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those that stay firm upon this beautiful path. Ameen. Jazakallah khair. I think subhanAllah the idea here is that you can't halfway attach to Allah and then expect that an enemy whose full-time job is to lead you away from him is going to fail. You know, so it's like unless you come in all the way, even those that try to come in all the way are going to have issues, right? Because no one is ever safe from the shaitan. But if you're only if, if you're only trying halfway, then you're bound to get pulled back, right? So you're you've got to try your best, go in as much as you can with your full heart and your limbs and soul and eyes and everything. And you do so knowing that you know there are gonna be times that even then you slip. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all from not putting both of our best feet forward and at the same time, may Allah protect us from the slips. And from uh, letting those slips lead to permanent falls. Allahumma ameen. Ameen. Dr. Uthman, Bismillah wa salatu wa salam wa rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. 
Um, so the verse that I was going to pick fits perfectly into what both of you have mentioned. Um, Sheikh Omar, you spoke about this idea of the human being, like we are all looking for goodness in our life. Now, I think one of the challenges that we all have as human beings is how to discern what is hasana. And as Sheikh Abdullah, you beautifully mentioned, right? It is in all hasana going to be found, all goodness going to be found in submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I'm going to speak about verse 216 in Surah Al-Baqarah, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, He begins by speaking about, uh, there's verses that come before this and even after about fighting, where Allah says, fighting has been enjoined upon you, has been prescribed upon you. Although it is something that you do not like, it is something that is detested or hateful to you. And subhanAllah, when I hear this verse, one of the first things that comes to my mind is this idea of why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell us to do things that we actually don't like? And that is a, a deep challenge for the human being because we have been taught in this society, we have been shaped through our culture that we should do what makes us feel good, right? And we are told that we have the human intellect is very... Uh, supreme, it is able to discern right and wrong, which is why we have man-made laws all over the world. But Allah then explains so beautifully in this verse that, look, hasana, which you want, goodness that you want, you cannot find it on your own. And there's a couple of reasons why. So the first thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He says, وَعَسَىٰ أَن تَكْرَهُ شَيْئًا وَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ وَعَسَىٰ أَن تَكْرَهُ شَيْئًا وَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ That, look, there's things that you don't like, human being, that I'm going to tell you to do. And the reason is because you don't like those things, but in reality, they are good for you. And there's things that you love and you want to do. Your nafs is inclined towards, but they're bad for you. And ultimately, Allah knows and you do not know. So there's two things that Allah is telling us here. Number one is our emotions. Allah has given us these emotions to enjoy life with. Right? We feel joy. We feel happiness. Right? We feel all these different things we, we love, we hate. And it's part of the human experience. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that those emotions you need to be careful about because we are never going to be perfect at assessing where the hasana is at, where the goodness is at. And so we have this experience. We actually see this all the time in our lives. SubhanAllah, how many times we make a decision and then we ultimately regret it. And that decision that we made was because of something emotional. As an example, you might say, you know, I really feel like eating this thing, right? It's Ramadan, right? Someone presents to you this wonderful um, dish. It's really sweet. And you're like, I know I shouldn't eat. This is really, really unhealthy. But you just go in and you don't stop and you eat and you eat and you eat. And then you know that deep down this is actually unhealthy for you. And you go to the masjid maybe or you can't make it to the masjid because your stomach is hurting. Or you know that it's terrible for your health. So we know that as human beings, there's things that we love that entice us and they pull us. This is part of what Shabali mentioned, the khudwat of shaitan. Shaitan's going to tell you, this is desirable. Don't you love this? And the human being wants to get closer and closer to it. And so what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us is at the end of the day, do not let your emotions dictate where you think goodness is at. And the second reason is because it's also intellectual. Wallahu ya'lamu antum la ta'lamun. Our shahawat are strong and our perception is limited. Sometimes we think that we've read a lot of books, right? We've studied, we've gone to college. We're able to discern ultimately what's good and what's harmful. But you look in the world today and you see all the global phenomena we have. We have global poverty, right? We have global warming. There's so many catastrophes that are out there and all of them at the end of the day go back to the fact that the human being has not submitted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and has not internalized that look everything Allah is telling you is good oftentimes we do the opposite people subhanAllah they it's it's part of the test of faith 
is that Allah will tell us to do things that we don't love. And if in Islam would be so easy if everything that we loved, Allah said to do. And sometimes we do that, right? We try to make Islam fit into our worldview rather than changing our worldview based on what Islam says. And so the surah then goes on and enumerates all these things a human being likes. And that next page, right, Allah talks about people ask about alcohol and gambling. Human beings love these things. Allah explains how they're harmful. Allah talks about the laws of divorce. And again, people often feel like, oh, you know what? This is not fair. And this, and I don't know about this. And I don't, and I don't know about that. And then even goes into riba and talks about, the, uh, in, about interest. So the human being is always evaluating good and bad using their emotions and using their intellect. And Allah is telling you, just be very, very careful when you're making this calculation because you don't have all the knowledge. You have limited perception of this life. You have 30, 40, 50, 60, what, maybe 80 years of knowledge, whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-alim al-hakim, al-aziz al-hakim. He has infinite knowledge of these affairs. So Al-Aiz ibn Abdul Salam, he says something so beautiful, I always just come back to. He says, everything Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded the human being towards is either good for them in this life, the next life, or in both lives. And everything Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden us to engage in is either bad for us in this life or the next life or in both lives. And what I find so beautiful about this is to come to that realization that Allah is always looking out for our best interest. And that takes a little bit, that takes a lot of trust. Because sometimes we think that, well, of course, we're looking out for our self-interest. That's what human beings do. And so I say to myself, it just makes so much sense that I do this thing. I mean, today we're dealing in a world that's, you know, laden with interest everywhere, right? People say, I don't understand why I can't take interest. It seems like it's so good. And, and Allah knows that. He's made it something which people find desirable. But Allah, ultimately, you say, he knows what's in my best interest. He knows what's in humanity's best interest. So despite the fact that I love it, I'm going to abstain from it because Allah knows and I do not know. So this is kind of an orientation. It's a Quranic principle of life. that We need to really fully absorb and attach ourselves to. And this goes with the hadith of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu because so many times what we end up doing is we're looking in Ramadan, we're looking in life, not just when we submit, we're actually hoping that there's something we get in return for that submission. Of course, we want Jannah. Yes, we want the Akhirah. But we also want to feel that sweetness in this life. And the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu is telling us how to find that. He said, iman man billahi rabba wa bil dina wa bi Muhammadin That if we want to find the sweetness of faith, Truly find it. We're going to find it only when we become fully satisfied and content with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which includes everything he's told us to do. It includes everything the Quran tells us to do. It includes everything the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu told us to do, whether we find it to be emotionally desirable to us or not. And the flip side, that we are going to abstain from everything Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us not to do. Despite the fact that our nafs is telling us, this is so desirable. This just looks so appealing. And all the shayateen are going to convince you, using all the means that are out there, that this is in your best interest, human being. And we have to just go back and say, Wallahu ya'lamu wa antum la ta'lamu. Allah, you know what's in my best interest. That's why I'm submitting to you. So I don't have to do that work of figuring this out. Well, and I have no idea, Allah. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us amongst those who submit to him and fully internalize that everything he wants from us is because he wants hasana for us. And everything he's telling us not to do, he's trying to protect us from harm for us. It's not random. Nothing Allah tells us is a random test. It is simply in the benefit of us for this life and the next life. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us 
Hasana in this life and the next life and allow us to submit to his beautiful faith wholeheartedly and ask Allah to protect us of all of our shortcomings and our mistakes. Amen. Jazakallah khair. Beautiful. SubhanAllah, yesterday we were talking about how you're asking Allah for hidayah, for guidance. The first request from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, the first dua is a dua for guidance. And many people ask Allah for guidance, but they're not willing to deal with the answer to that request. You know, if you if you want guidance, are you willing to commit to guidance? You have to be ready for what you're asking for. And, you know, so this idea that the truth has commitments, the truth has consequences, and also that guidance sometimes is going to mandate that, you know, I don't need to understand why I just know that the one who is doing the guiding is doing what is best. And so whether that's halal or haram, uh, I know that it's better for me to abstain from this in this life or the next or both. I know that what Allah has made uh, permissible is good for me in this life, the next or both. And subhanAllah, that is the unseen elements of the seen because when we talk about al-ghayb, al-ghayb refers to all of the matters of the unseen. But when we talk about hidayah and rushd, that also includes the idea of seeing better what you already think you see. <laughs> Having more just, just perception, deeper perception with what you're actually looking at, with what's actually in front of you. And so you find this from the righteous uh, predecessors that at times they would be able to even extrapolate worldly benefits. However, they would not have needed the worldly benefits to commit to or to abstain. That was just bonus and a means for mm -hmm. them to increase in their gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Any yes. further, uh, inshallah, your, your last words of wisdom. Uh, Shaykh Abdullah, we'll start with you, inshallah, and then we'll let Dr. Rahman end us off, inshallah. Well, mashallah, I remember how you were mentioning the, the things that we may love, and you touched on food. And that's important, especially when we're breaking our fast and having our breakfast, but I want to know what y'all think about this tafsir. This may be a little far-fetched, but let me know what you think. Shaitan and sugar, they both begin with letter sheen. Inshallah, you come. All right, we're going to have to cut this now. Because if you start this, <laughs> oh, man, I swear you Medina grab. Right. <laughs> think about it, Shay. Just think about you're making, it. You're making your class. You're making your class look bad, man. They're going to be like, what? what are we going to get this? You know? Very clever, though. The, we'll, we won't call that. There's tafsir and ta'wil, right? And then there's just, you know, fawa'id. So that's a fa'idah for, for Sheikh Abdullah, right? From Sheikh Abdullah. Yeah, yeah. Shaitan <laughs> and sugar. Sugar is shaitan. You know, See? don't 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 drink shaitan's Kool-Aid. Don't eat shaitan sugar. It's sweet, there but it's go. poisonous. There you go. That's the khutwat, Sheikh. That's the khutwat is sugar? No. Uh, no. Well, actually, you know, if you took, like, all the uh, sugar substitutes, they turn out to also be worse, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, yeah but sugar has no khutwat. It just, it's just bad. It's just all bad. Right? Well, yeah. But the sugar in Yeah, and sugar is odia. Was that? <laughs> That's true. He said shaitan has odia and sugar, sugar has odia. <laughs> you know what's going to happen now? And I think we should end now for real because the, the, the sugar manufacturers are going to try to down, they're going to try to sink yaqeen. We had enough enemies. You went and you, you, you set off the sugar industry on us, man. Now we're in trouble. Mm -hmm. Allah, Allah is going to be having that with.
Zakmullah Khair. I appreciate you, uh, Dr. Uthman. I appreciate you, Sheikh Abdullah, and everyone for tuning in. Inshallah ta'ala, we'll see you all tomorrow night. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa Having a conversation is a transformative experience. It can take you to places in your own mind that you didn't even know existed. It's an opportunity to understand your own views and to see what someone else sees too. To talk with people instead of being talked at. A conversation is a chance to build a relationship with your child, your parent, your friend, even an acquaintance. That's why we created Yaqeen Conversations. One of the most common questions I receive from parents is, how do I talk to my teenager? And it's a legitimate question, it's hard. And it's not only parents with teenagers, at times, we all need help having conversations about faith. We created Yaqeen Conversations as a simple, structured guide to our research papers. It's designed to help you make sense of difficult faith topics through discussion, no prep required. Each conversation even includes a card deck to make your discussion more productive and insightful. You can use it during family nights, with friends, in an existing club, or anytime you want. It's an opportunity for everyone on any faith level to build meaningful connections with people and a meaningful connection with faith. Visit yaqeeninstitute.org conversations to access the guide immediately. Yaqeen Conversations. Have a transformative experience. Do I say hashtag experience conversations? <laughs> All right.